Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode of the Runner's World podcast is powered by New Balance Fuel Cell. If you're aiming for a faster half marathon, 10K, 5K or less, then good news, the New Balance Fuel Cell shoes could be for you. Crafted for speed, the new and improved Fuel Cell technology has a high rebound sole and increased responsiveness so that you can run that personal best whatever your level. For speed built faster, check out the New Balance Fuel Cell now at newbalance.co.uk. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Runner's World podcast, the weekly podcast bringing you all the latest running news, reviews and interviews. I'm Ben Hobson, the Runner's World digital editor, and I'm here with editor-in-chief Andy Dixon. Andy, what have we got coming up on this week's episode? This week we're speaking with sports psychologist Dr Josie Perry about the effect of fitness technology and social media on running. She'll be looking at the positives and negatives of platforms like the Twitter, Facebook and Strava, and also offers some suggestions about how runners can better manage their relationship with social media. Fantastic. I think we could all take a, a bit of advice from, from a professional when it comes to spending too long on our phones. Absolutely. It's, a, it's like a, fr- a free, hopefully a free set therapy session with a sports psychologist. So. Oh, God. I'll start crying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we could all do with a bit of guidance uh, you know, are, is our usage um, normal? Is it, are we going overboard with social media? Because I think everyone's probably on it, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, for sure. Um, so hopefully she'll have some interesting stuff to tell us. Fantastic. And what else have you been up to recently? Uh, uh, just running, general low-level running, Ben. Uh, Good. I, I kind of feel like I'm, I went for a five-mile run yesterday, which is just kind of a par kind of weekend run. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit goalless at the moment. Oh. Yeah, you know, I'm just kind oh, of. No. I'm, yeah, obviously I'm enjoying my running. <laughs> oh, good. But I feel like I need some kind of a race or challenge or something in the diary to keep me to keep me honest. Right. Um, I see. I see. Yeah. At the moment, there's nothing. You know, spreading through until Christmas. I need I need a goal. I think. Um, what about maybe, some cross cross country? Yeah. Yeah. Cross country. Get a bit muddy. Uh, maybe a maybe a fast target a fast 5k that was one of my um my resolutions at the start of the year to run a sub 19 5k i haven't even tried to do that i took the other one off which was you to did. run my first ultra marathon i did that in january so um i've got what well, just under four months to attend to the other one what was your time in the last fast cave you did i can't remember no, I, I don't haven't done just, one. i just don't run 5ks that often okay um so I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I mean, I think my my PB is above nineteen minutes, probably nineteen and a half, which I feel like could be 
lowered, but that involves lots of painful, Speed short, fast running <laughs> sessions, oh, no. and that's kind of scary. <laughs> well, but, um, you said it on air, which you know, live I, on the podcast, which is perfect segue. I'm committed into the use of social media and running. And one of the things we will discuss with Dr. Josie Perry is posting your ambitions online. So, without further ado, guest of the week. Guest of the week. Our guest this week is sports psychologist Dr. Josie Perry. Josie recently published the book Performing Under Pressure off the back of a recent study on the effects of social media on running and we're delighted to have her on the podcast to talk about her findings. Josie, welcome to the Runners World podcast. Thank you for having me. I think the general consensus would be that running is often considered a lonely pursuit. Um, Is this one of the positives of social media that gives runners a sort of ready-made community that they can join? Yeah, I've done quite a bit of different research with different running groups, um, usually ultra runners or runners with kind of really high levels of mental toughness. And those runners really feel like they need to train on their own so that they can do the exact training that they've set for themselves or has been set for them. So they can't often join in other sessions. That means they get really lonely, particularly for the longer you're going, the, the longer you're out there on your own. So they really value having social media as a community to to catch up with afterwards and to feel part of something bigger. And do you think that, that, so it's about community, do you think it can also broaden their horizons and and kind of open them up to new ideas and see what other people are doing? Yeah, there's a, a really lovely element of confidence called vicarious confidence. And we get that from seeing other people who are quite like us, seeing what they're doing, and realising, well, if they can do it, maybe I can too. So someone like Paula Radcliffe, absolutely amazing, but I'm never, ever going to get anywhere near her level. So seeing what she does doesn't really inspire me. Whereas seeing someone that used to be the same speed as me at Park Run, who's getting a little bit faster all the time, actually that really makes me want to get a bit faster too, see what kind of things they're up to, seeing what they're doing and how we might do that. Yeah, I think that the things like Strava and, and, and those sorts of platforms, which I guess are the, is the main social media platforms associated with athletic endeavour rather than the, the traditional ones, those, those, those platforms really allow people to sort of view everyone else's efforts. Yes, so it's, and they can be really positive for that, but they can also be really negative. So if you're someone that is ultra competitive, mm. you don't just see each run as going out for a run. It suddenly becomes every single run is some kind of competitive element and people are worried about what they'll look like when it uploads afterwards. And it becomes a source of pressure and worry rather than something that's kind of joyful. I see, yeah, I see. And there's also, I guess, the the pressure to, to be posting as well. So the, sort of yep. the, the rest day doesn't exist because there's that, you know, you need to be shown to be out there. You know, you need that running selfie or you need that or you need that, 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 that effort recorded. So I guess like that, that side of it, too. Yeah, I interviewed somebody who said, one day they went out for their run and a few miles in they realised their Garmin hadn't charged properly and they wouldn't be able to upload it. And actually they felt really pleased at that point because they could relax and do the run they were supposed to do, right. which mm. is probably a, a recovery run, rather than worrying about what it was going to look like when they uploaded it later and who was going to be judging them and whether they'd been running fast enough. Because mm. I, I think 
I suppose it, it stands to reason that because on an Instagram, for instance, it presents a very kind of idealized view of people's lives. Um, you know, people edit and kind of put filters on. I suppose that translates into running as well, in the sense that if something's not quite perfect, you're less likely to want to um, publicize it, and you've got might have an urge to make every run perfect and push harder than you otherwise uh, would have done. Is that yep. is that true? All the time, and then people get into kind of weird challenges that aren't real goals or real races, but they're desperately trying to live up to what other people are doing. So. One of the girls I interviewed in some research said um, she'd been training for a marathon. She was doing really well with her training. But there was this kind of mythical thing online that everyone was trying to get to 100-mile weeks. And if you got to 100-mile weeks, that meant you were kind of an elite real runner. So that's what she was pushing herself to do. And then she got injured, of course, and wasn't able to actually do her real marathon at the right speed. But because she'd been trying to follow these other people and join in and be part of this bigger social world... She wasn't doing what was right for her. She was copying other people and it caused her injury. Platforms like Twitter and Facebook, are they a good way of, of holding oneself to account? I mean, you know, once you've you know, announced something on social media, it's out there for everyone to, to see it and, you know, you can feel compelled to follow through and that's positive. But then at the same time, the negative is that you're bound to it. Yes. So, yes, accountability can be really helpful because if you know you've said, I'm running every single day for a month, and you don't then post about it, you wonder whether people would be questioning. But sometimes running every single day for a month isn't going to be good for you if you've got a niggle or you're overstressed with work and it's just adding extra pressure onto things. So it it has good sides, but it has downsides too. Andy, you recently took part in a run streak. Yes, yeah, I did. And I, I kind of felt probably towards the end of it when my body was starting to get quite tired that there was this compunction to keep going when otherwise I, I wouldn't have. And I think that was the main downside for me. I mean, I, I didn't take it into extremes. I just did it for about five weeks. And yeah. actually, it was illness that broke my, my run streak. And, and I remember being in bed on the day that I was ill, feeling like I'd been released from this <laughs> from this, from this this kind of prison of, of pressure. Yeah. So I kind of felt that, 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 that kind of self-imposed pressure of, of, of putting stuff out online and and kind of you know people respond well in the in the and then, and then there's this kind of pressure on you to to follow up um and just a, there's an actually an interesting um case study of uh, the, you know the the elite uh, US ultra runner Camille Heron right she used to be very big on posting all of her runs on Strava so you could look at her in 2015 you could see all of her runs up to a um a race that she eventually won and then she had this kind of I suppose you'd call it a, a Damascene moment. Um, in 2016, she was sharing so much and absorbing so much feedback that she actually had a kind of blood test and it showed that she had um, elevated levels of, of cortisol, the stress, stress hormone. Yeah. So she then kind of t- took a, a rain check on her social media and actually went back just to using a non-GPS watch and a paper log, um, which led to her winning the Comrades Marathon in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and she actually she's found a way to mesh the two things together now. She 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 uses a GPS, but she doesn't like uh, publicise her runs, and then she records 
quite kind of gratifyingly, she still uses a, a paper oh, nice. running journal and pen. So she says that she feels like it's it's more about kind of mood and detail and the act of recording and writing. It, it, she finds a lot more fulfilling than just kind of uploading data to, to Strava or whatever. There's two really important things in there from a psychological perspective. So that first one is when we set goals, so athletes looking at what they want to achieve kind of the outcome goal, but also a lot of the processes along the way, we do suggest they share it with people. So there's some accountability, but share it with people that are a few people that are close to you. So you're not sharing it with the world. You're not sticking on social media or Strava. You are just sharing it with maybe your coach, maybe a couple of other people that will really help you and keep you going with that. And the second element that I really love she was doing there is having a paper diary. And it's the first thing I suggest to every single athlete I work with. I don't mind if you use Training Peaks or Strava or anything else as well, but it's ideal to have a paper diary that you can write down how you're feeling, whether you've got niggles, notice really good sessions and how they worked for you so that you can keep a really good track. And it's a much better way to boost your confidence because you can look back over it and work out what worked really well when you had great sessions, what your strengths are. But it's also a good way to kind of rein in some of the comment or the worries about what other people might say. Cause no one else is going to look at it apart from you. I think that's really, I think, the, the stripping back to the, the bare principles of why you're doing it. And I think that one of the ones that we've discussed before is the fact that running essentially is, is such a multi-faceted thing now. But essentially everyone does it for hopefully a sense of joy like that's kind of the thing that you, you know you get that lovely chemical endorphiny rush that you know you, you that you get and also it's nice to explore it's nice to go out it makes you feel good so do you think that social media can can it suck the joy out of the running oh completely one of the interviews i did on um, a study on exercise addiction um i chatted to a girl who said she'd been coming back from injury she hadn't run for ages and she'd gone out and she'd done her first long run it was by the river and it was beautiful and she'd stopped for a drink by the river and she loved this run. She got back and it automatically uploaded to Strava and then she noticed that her brother had run further and some friends from her running club had run a bit faster and she instantly said she felt like a failure. And so the joy she'd felt from that kind of hour and a half out on the trail doing it instantly went because there was some comparison when she saw it on Strava. Yeah, well they say that comparison is the a thief of joy. Yeah. I don't know who said that, but um, it's there. Um, so that kind of backs that up. Uh, th- th- that same study was quite interesting to read. Um, you found that highly motivated endurance athletes were more, at more risk of exercise addiction. The more they used fitness tech like social media and also trackers like GPS watches. I ran the study because I work with so many endurance athletes and I was intrigued by whether there was an increased risk of exercise addiction. Um, and yeah, it came out the more you're using, the more that risk is there. And I think that's because they can be, we call it like really sticky. Yeah. So even when you know you shouldn't be going out for a run or you know you should be having more of a rest day or you know you should be running slower, you worry about what other people will be thinking and then you you end up pushing it and you end up going out when you shouldn't. This study was based around not just elite level though right this was sort of across the board or was it just elite because I feel like a lot of the things you're saying would be a hundred percent applicable to your average amateur runner yes and I mean it's tricky when you're an elite runner because you almost are supposed to have many of the signs of addiction to it because it's your day-to-day job um 
but no, this was one with people of every level. It looked at anyone running over um, marathon distance, so marathons and over, um, anyone doing half Ironman and over, so triathlon and kind of long distance cyclists. So, and they're all pretty much very high risk of exercise addiction, um, higher than has been found before. But most studies that look at exercise addiction are probably looking at students or they're looking at people doing shorter distances. And when you get up to the training that's required to be doing marathons, half Ironman, Ironman level, it does require a lot of time going into it. Um, so you can see why people are using the social media. They're getting involved in podcasts. They're, they're joining in with things. They're having to do a lot of very boring training on their own. So it could be very tempting to, to use a lot of social media around that. But it also you get people that are very competitive and are comparing how they're doing against lots of other people and using social media to do it. Sure. And I suspect that we've probably got quite a few listeners who are um, in kind of higher level recreational athletes who are training a lot, using a lot of training time. What 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 would be the warning signs of, of exercise addiction that people should be looking out for? So the biggest warning sign is when it starts causing kind of trouble in the rest of your life. So when it causes conflict. So you can be doing lots of other elements of exercise addiction and it's fine. If you're a 21-year-old guy, you live on your own, you've got an easy job you don't really have to think about, you don't have a family, actually going out and doing a shed load of running is absolutely fine as long as your body can cope with it. But if you're a 40-year-old guy with a family and a really tough job and a long commute and you can't really afford to be entering lots and lots of races and that's what you're doing anyway, it's going to start causing real trouble in your marriage, not being able to see your kids enough, messing up at work and that's when it becomes a real problem i think that's kind of it really it's a balance isn't that's the sort of if it tips towards the negative then rather than remaining positive i think that's what people can use as a real benchmark of whether or not they're doing too much though it though i was really interested i did a race a couple of weeks ago and the uh the hashtag for the race was addicted right and they saw it as a really and they did put it on the medals they put it on the race numbers um, and I wrote to the race director because I was actually really concerned that they're trying to make out that running addiction is a, a positive. Right. Well, actually, there are some people that are, are really, really miserable. There's people that have gone through divorces as a result. So it's not kind of a great thing to aspire to. It's really important that we keep it in balance. So what would you what would you say that a healthy relationship with social media and, and fitness tech looks like? I think it's when it starts feeling like a pressure to post something and almost like you're owned by those people that are following your feeds that's when you should worry um and lots of people seem to go into detox for a little while then as they go off completely um other people will make things like strava um, private so only they can see it so the ideal is we use that data that we get or the friendships we make for real positives but as soon as it becomes a pressure or something we start worrying about then we need to control it and stop it. We don't owe anybody else our data. I'm just interested to know what you make of a curious kind of sub-phenomenon of, of social media and running, and that's the kind of in-run selfie, which I, I find hard to kind of fathom. I mean, i you a, a kind of semi-regular user of social media, but this is so people are going running and actually stopping. This is people running on by themselves, stopping, 
setting up their phone on a timer and then running through the frame to try and get a shot of themselves to put on social media. That seems a bit crazy to me. What, what do you think of stuff like that? It does. My husband did London Duathlon yesterday, and he said as he was on the second run, a guy did that. I was just like, this is a mid-race, and he set everything up to do a photo. Um, I mean, if that's what they love doing, and that's maybe why they run, um, I guess it all comes down to our goal for why we're doing it. If our goal is to make lots of friends with other runners, to explore beautiful places, to show those places off, we're not trying to hit certain PBs or times, then it's not harming anybody. That's absolutely fine. It's maybe if you miss a PB because you stop to take a photo mid-race or you're not able to, you're beating yourself up because you're not improving at the same rate that you feel you should be you start looking at why. Well, if you're not doing your sessions in the way you wanted to because you're having to set up a camera to do them, there's probably a good place to start looking. Yeah. I think it's that weird thing of just like the the, the running self is probably a manifestation of the modern era of running in combined with social media. And as you say, that's that's totally great if that's what you want to do and it helps you enjoy running more. But if you, if on the flip of that, if you are just going running to take a selfie, <laughs> then I, I mean, g- if it makes you go out running, you weren't going to go otherwise. Yeah, true. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but all of it comes down to what works for you. Yeah. And that's why sports psychology is so tricky in a way because you can't just say, "Yep, here's what you should X, Y, and Z to go and do," because everything's based on our personality and our own traits and our upbringings and our preferences, and we're all unique. So you kind of have to find out what works in running for you and go with that. And, and that's why the comparison element can be so risky because you start getting carried away of seeing somebody else. But they might have a much better gene makeup than you that suits their type of running or they might have years and years of training in the bank that you don't yet have. So remembering you're really unique can sometimes help you stop that comparison. Do, do you think that in general, just moving away from social media, I guess, but do you think people should would do well runners would do well to focus more on enjoyment and feel in their running rather than obsessing on about metrics and, and data all of the time yeah so there's a bit of a move in sports psychology towards biofeedback and that's um used to be done very much in the lab and that was kind of very much numbers but actually you can do some of it out in the field and it helps you learn much more about your own body Um, And one of the key parts of my book was thinking about um, how you really focus on yourself, your self-awareness. So something I use with um, athletes I work with are called bio dots. And you stick a little kind of plastic dot on your hand and it changes colour depending on kind of your stress levels. So it can be really, really good. It's particularly good in things like golf where you've got longer time to do it and your heart rate's not going to be so high anyway. But as soon as you start to see your stress levels get high, the dot starts to go black. And your job is to get it back to green. And you do that by really good breathing techniques. So it's a really good way to learn how you feel when you're stressed because you've got a visible look of when my dot goes black, this is how I feel. And you can then practice those techniques to get it back to a much calmer perspective. That'd be great. Brilliant before people race if they yeah. start getting way too anxious beforehand so you, you wouldn't use it in a race experience but you can use it to learn your body much more when you learn your body much more you're much more in control of it when you need to be
Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that we periodically do in in the mag and online. Um, features about how to run, running on feel is quite a useful skill to have because if you just base your run purely on metrics, you know, temperature, the ambient temperature affects that, whether you've slept well affects it, if you were just looking at your pace or your heart rate. And actually, there's a lot to be said about just tuning into how you feel and using that as a guide to how hard you should be pushing in any given run yep yeah and, and you see people who've finished races and they've beating themselves up because they were sticking so strongly to say heart rate that they can see and actually sometimes that holds them back because they had a lot more to give but they were so stuck by numbers they don't just go with it and sometimes being in the now can be a really good way of enjoying it much more and actually getting the best out of yourself when you were conducting the research did it did it really alter the way that you viewed and used social media did you find yourself going oh that's me rather than sort of like standing back and thinking that you would just be assessing everyone else (laughs) I'm I'm quite a relaxed runner I think I don't take it particularly seriously um so I do do sometimes do things like run streaks because I know it makes sense for me when I'm going through busy periods it forces me to take some time to do some exercise which I might skip otherwise. So I find them very beneficial for my well-being for that. But I don't put it on social media. Um, I will set up a little WhatsApp group of friends and we'll often do it together, but in a way that we can make excuses and no one's going to berate us. Um, So you get some of the benefits of that social side, but without it being um, getting any of those negative elements. So a lot of it is working out what works for me um, and then how do I use my social media to get the best out of it for me? It's, it's obviously a, a very wide area and we've, we've, we've kind of skated across it. But I think that, that what you said about everyone's just got to find their own sweet spot with, with social media and just kind of, it, it's definitely of use. And, it, you know, for sure it's changed running for the better in general. I think that the, it's just knowing where that, that kind of, that tightrope of, of falling off that falling off point is where it becomes obsessional and it changes your behavior yeah and this, there's a, a technique in the book all about doing kind of a social media audit of looking at how can i use technology to work for me what works for me what's good what gives me data i need or feedback from others or tells me about great races and what makes me feel really awful and then you can do a real audit and a cull of the stuff that doesn't work for you and focus on what helps your running Oh, that's fantastic. Josie, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the podcast and for giving us a, 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 a probably a brief, because there's so much we could talk about on this, but a, a great insight into running and social media. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, 
you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is the Runners World podcast. Andy, a quick question that you can answer because this is coming up in the magazine. In the next issue of Runner's World, there is a piece called Why We Run. And it's a collection of musings on the many motivations behind why people started and continue to run. There's everything from weight loss to midlife crisis, apparently. So it's really an interesting piece. So, Andy, a bit more on that? Well, uh, yes, it it runs the whole gamut of running motivations, Ben. Like you say, there's midlife crises. I think Rick Pearson, our absent host, um, says that he started running as a a way of rebelling against Mm. his dad. Jeez. Yeah. Um, Other people have just said that it's about friendship. Um, Obviously, you can't nail it down to one reason, I don't think. People's reasons change. You know, people who have had long running careers, if you want to call it that, um, they might start running for a particular reason and then it kind of evolves into something else. Completely, yeah. Um, you know, when I started running, I, I actually wasn't a runner before I started on Runner's World, which people find surprising. Um, so you got so, a job. So my reason for running was I got a job on a running <laughs> magazine and I had to start running to pretend to know what I was doing. Um, but, you know, I start, I did start running after I'd started on the title and obviously grew to love it i've been there 12 years and i think part of the reason i've been at runner's world for for that long is because i, I just love running which is handy i think it would have been a, a different story if i'd tried my first marathon and absolutely hated it <laughs> i would have been gone by now but um and now i think my running's kind of as i kind of alluded to earlier i'm just kind of happy happily kind of knocking along i think that know. that's really important i think that uh, you, you say you feel a bit goalless, and I think it's important that you have those little benchmarks that you need to get to, but there's there's a lot to be said for just having a nice run. For sure, and that's the main... I think... I, I always think that, that when, you can, when your running evolves into something that you just enjoy mm. for the sake of it, yeah. then everything else just falls into place as part of that. That's the kind of core, you know, because if you enjoy it... You know, I enjoy running into work... You know, even though it's hard work, it's nicer than being on the tube. I, I just enjoy being in, in the park at lunchtime and seeing trees and breathing air. Yeah. And actually, then the kind of side benefits, which is you know, I, I stay healthy and and fit. Mm. Um, they all kind of just come along as part of that. So yeah. I think, and it, so I, I don't really feel like it's an effort to 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 run. It's part of my my well-being the me time the mental aspects have, have become greater as time has gone on yeah um and also the kind of performance aspect i would say it, it, i don't know whether other people's kind of 
running careers are the same, but I, I ha- had a kind of a bell curve, I suppose, an upturned you. You get into running and suddenly it's about PBs and, and performing well in races and then you achieve or, or get close to those things. Yeah. And then I'm kind of coming off the off the down slope. <laughs> I don't think there's many more PBs for me. But... Hey, well, you've already stated fast 5K. <laughs> there is this one more in the bag. But I've the good thing is it, it's finding other reasons to run. I think I, I've done that. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty happy with where I am. How about you, Ben? What, what, what are your reasons for running? Oh, I think that uh, I'm not sure if this is ultimately true because I do remember running before, but it definitely took on a different uh, drive or had a, certainly had a different impetus. It was when I I was coerced into doing a triathlon. Mm. That was my first foray into actually coerced. Coerced. Not, you weren't voluntarily. No, not really. Right. Because I I can swim and I and I love riding my bike. So the 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 two of three were there but i don't think i really had the the ambition to do one and then i was uh uh yeah someone windsor windsor triathlon in about 2003 i think it was someone said right we're doing this and i went all right and i had to then learn how to run probably i think in terms of um looking at a manual or reading up because there was no this was before the the uh, the abundance of information on the internet so i think i had a triathlon training book and i read a few plans and you know learned how to do a session and that's very different from when you you know you go for a run because you feel like you need to go outside and just move faster than walking yeah this yeah. was this was this was practiced and whatever so i think that was probably the first first time i got into running was for that triathlon and then as you say it just it totally just it, it it changes quite quickly into something that you can you would miss if it's not there and i'm currently in, a, in an injury funk and i miss it dramatically because it's not there um and i think that's that's really i think where a lot of a lot of the reasons why running will change for everyone is the fact that there's this, this sudden switch of it being either arduous or like a sort of means to an end and then all of a sudden it's like this this thing that you actually you really want to do for the sake of it well we'd like to revisit the subject on a future episode of the podcast uh, the subject of why we run so let us know why you run uh, email us at podcast at runnersworld.co.uk there's no kerry or jane this week so ben and i are going to deliver the running news in their absence it was a record-breaking day at the great north run Mo Farah won the race for an unprecedented sixth year in succession, running a half-marathon PB of 59 minutes and seven seconds oh, in the process. Amazing. In the women's race, Kenya's Bridget Kosgai, the reigning London Marathon champion, won in a new world best time of one hour, four minutes and 28 seconds. Oh, my goodness. Records tumbling. God. Uh, British distance stars Callum Hawkins and Charlotte Perdue, both of whom will be co- competing in the World Championships later this month, finished fourth and fifth, respectively, in the men's and women's races. So quite a decent day yeah, it was. for British runners. And, yeah. um, and another one, it was two world records in two weeks for Sunderland athlete Alison Dixon, who, having broken the 50-kilometre best mark in Romania last week, ran... 118.26 on home turf to smash the Guinness World Record for fastest superhero in a half marathon. She was dressed appropriately enough as Wonder Woman. There you go. Well done, Alison. That, that 50k record was pretty special. Yeah, I mean, it's that that was impressive. Yeah. And then to, to come in one week later and run a 118 
half marathon is is stunning so uh, well done her I've got a small slice of running news which has been revealed that elite athletes have worse teeth than the rest of us despite putting more effort into looking after them this is according to a study of over 350 British athletes by the scientists at the uh, University College London and they found that Uh, Even though the athletes were more likely to floss regularly and brush twice a day than the general population, around half have signs of tooth decay compared to around a third of similarly aged adults. The researchers believe that their regular use of sports drinks, energy bars and gels with their high sugar content and acidity increase the risk of erosion. Well, this this is kind of worrying, isn't it? I mean, I'm not an elite athlete, so I I dare say I'm not having that as many sports drinks and gels as as they are, but I'm still a habitual user Mm -hmm. of them. Um, So it's given me pause for thought. You know, after I've run in in the morning and and had a a gel maybe halfway through, should I be brushing my teeth after I get into work? Yeah. Um, Or, you know, I think one of the solutions was to, to swill with mouthwash more regularly. Right. Which seems like quite a, a, a kind of low input solution, um, but yeah, it's 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 kind of an interesting one, a curious one. Yeah, well, my my basic understanding of dental health is that if you if you if you brush too much and you floss too much, you're just going to knacker your gums. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no winning. <laughs> there's no win. There's no win. Uh, so basically, lay off the sugar is kind of the if you don't need it, maybe yeah. or you're going to have to go. But then saying that, I was going to just suggest have a banana, but that has sugar in it yeah. so we're, we're you know oh well well you know everyone look after your teeth well yeah i, I, I kind of it, it's it's all a terrible dilemma for an elite athlete isn't it it's it's like right do i want to win gold at the next olympics or have a big mouthful of monkey teeth <laughs> <laughs> that's true but if all that all that winning bonus money they can get some veneers done. they could get a completely new set of gnashes right perfect Worth we've it. solved the problem thanks everyone <laughs> So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. I'd like to say a huge thanks to our guest, Dr. Josie Perry, and to Number 8 Studios in Soho, where this was recorded. For more news, reviews, interviews, and much, much more from the wider world of running, please head over to runnersworld.com uk. Please like and subscribe on iTunes. Feel free to leave a lovely comment. Thanks to Acast, our hosting partner, and thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 